We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. We made it to a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And as the announcer just said, you're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. This is a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions. Whatever's going on in your heart or your mind, we'll do the best that we can to answer your questions. All we need you to do is call. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area, you can dial 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, it's 630 you can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. But if you're in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit one button, call now, you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, 340-9585. This is December. That means we got a lot of stuff going on. I'll remind you several times throughout the week, but while I'm thinking about it now, at my age, you want to catch things while they're fresh in your mind. Uh, this coming Sunday at 4 o'clock is our annual Christmas dinner. Um, you're invited. You're invited. We'd love to have you. It costs nothing. There'll be tons and tons of food. Um, last year, we served over 1,200 people. Um, um, you'll meet some great people. You'll see some people whose hearts are really to serve. Most of all, you'll find people that really love Jesus. It's going to be at the Shirts Civic Center uh, at 4 o'clock this coming Sunday, December the 9th. And uh, we invite you to come. The one thing I would ask, if you do come from the radio audience, let somebody, when you walk in, know that you're from the radio audience. They can direct you over to where uh, Paul and I can be able to meet you. And we'd love to do that. So that's this Sunday um, Christmas dinner. You will be blessed. We've really got some people that can cook. So all of that this week. Tonight, because it's Monday, is our men's, women's, youth Bible studies. Uh, Dr. Sheba will be teaching the ladies tonight. Uh, ladies, you can watch that at calvaryessay.com at 7 o'clock. It's live stream. Uh, all of the Bible studies start at the same time. They worship together, and then they split out. Uh, you can make it a family affair. We've got junior high school age and high school age youth studies going on during the same time. And, of course, we have child care for those who are... Uh, younger than that. So that's tonight at 7 o'clock. Hope you had a great day at church. For us, it was Communion Sunday yesterday. Um, you know, with a marathon going on on a Sunday. I tell Paula, I grew up in a time when they didn't do things like that on Sundays. Uh, we had a lot of people running in the marathon. That was great, but we still had lots and lots of people here. And uh, Communion Sundays are always really, really special. So I hope it was a special day for you yesterday as well. One more time, 340-9585. Let me get right to some questions. I got two of them that came from my message yesterday. One of them is anonymous from our email inbox. It says, yesterday at the beginning of your sermon, you mentioned that the apostles got back into the boat after the storm. 
wasn't their arrival to the Gadarenes immediately following Jesus' calming of the storm in the references Luke 8.22 and 8.26. You're right, my time frame, um, when, when Jesus got into the boat and left, at the very end of the Bible study yesterday, um, I was talking about the disciples not wanting to get back into the boat after that really scary storm that they encountered on the way over. But you're right, when they were when they were in the sea, in the Sea of Galilee, they, they got into that terrible storm. They thought they were going to die. Um, they finished the trip. Jesus said they would get there. And that's when they encountered um, the man that we call Legion and this, the, the, the location of the study yesterday. But getting back into the boat, my comment there yesterday, and really that doesn't have any um, importance at all to the Bible study. Uh, it was just me putting a human picture on it. You know, they they uh, almost died. At least that's what they thought uh, in that storm. And now they're going to go back on the lake to go back to the other side. And the other side in Capernaum is once again where we will pick up the Bible study uh, this coming Sunday uh, when uh, Jesus encounters um, two people who are really hurting. One, a Jewish synagogue ruler whose daughter uh, is dead, and the other, a woman with, for 12 years, an issue of blood, uh, and Jesus is, uh, um, she touches him, power goes from him, but that happens back in his hometown of Capernaum. So that's all I was referencing. So yes, as soon as they arrived after the storm, that's where they met Legion. Here is the other study or question from yesterday's study. It's about demon possession from our mobile app. This one is from Tom. He says, I heard you say that Christians cannot be demon-possessed. You meant only born-again Christians, right? And not just people who claim to be Christians. Tom, you're right. Uh, When I say Christians cannot be demon-possessed, by definition, someone is only a Christian if they're born again. So the professing Christian is not in view yet. Um, A religious person who would identify as a Christian, that's not included. Only born-again Christians are real Christians. And it is true that real Christians, spirit-filled Christians, cannot be demon-possessed. Now, one of the reasons I made such a big deal about it yesterday, actually there were two. One is because... um, Yesterday's Bible study with Legion is the most comprehensive account of demon possession that we have in the scriptures. And demon possession was something that was really, really uh, uh, obvious in that day and age. And, and this is one that we need to learn some things about the intent of the enemy um, and those kind of things. Um, but there's so much bad teaching, Tom, that Christians can be demon possessed. I've heard everything from, uh, oh, I, uh, my church said I had a demon of lust. Another one said, well, I've been given a demon of cancer. That's why I have cancer. Um, Christians cannot ever be demon-possessed. We can be oppressed, and by that I mean demons bother us because they hate us. Uh, we can be lied to by demons, but never forget, greater is he who is innocent, he who is in the world. Bible says, what do light and darkness have in common? The answer to that rhetorical question is nothing. And we've got light, the light of the world living in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and God's not going to share that space with an enemy. Demon possession is one of those things that we can blame our sins on something else. But it is impossible for a Christian to be demon-possessed. And because there's so much false teaching, especially in the crazy charismatic circles, that, and I, when I say that, I want to remind you, we are a charismatic church here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, but the idea that, that a Christian can be controlled, a born-again Christian can be controlled by the enemy of our souls is foreign to Scripture at all. If your theology... Um, suggest that you believe demons can influence um, by way of possession uh, a Christian, then you need a new theology. That's just simply not the case. So Tom, you're right, um, but, but whenever I talk about Christians, I'm always talking about real Christians. Men or women who are born again, Jesus said that except a man be born again, he can in no ways inherit the kingdom of God.
That was Jesus speaking to a religious person, by the way, whose name was Nicodemus. So I hope that answers your question, Tom. Thanks very, very much, and thank both of you for listening to the Bible study. 340-9585. Here's a question from Becky. Uh, she asked, Pastor Ron, if a Christian is really suffering, would suicide ever be okay? Becky, the answer to the question is no. Um, life and the end of our lives is in the hands of a loving, merciful God. And I know people that suffer a great deal physically. Um, they live lives that I couldn't even imagine how hard they are. But it is never, ever okay for a human being, a Christian, to pull the plug. It's just never okay. Now, I don't mean that you have to be in life support or something like that. I, I, that was an inappropriate phrasing, pull the plug, because that suggests a picture of pulling life support. Um, I don't want to be on life support. Um, um, I'll, I'll trust God to take me home or leave me here. But um, the, the idea of suicide, mercy killing, taking your life just to avoid suffering is foreign to Christian doctrine. Paul begged the Lord three times to have the thorn in his flesh removed. We don't know what that was for sure. We know it was a, a horribly painful physical affliction. And three times I begged the Lord to take it away and three times he said no my grace is sufficient the same thing Becky is true um, in a situation um, based on the question you asked you know God knows what his plan for us is and who knows as we face death as we face these kinds of terrible terrible tragedies the, the pain uh, even though it's overwhelming God still has a plan until we're with Him. And so those are the times we have to really trust Him. Those are the times when we exercise faith. And those are the times when we really learn God's grace is sufficient. So Becky, suicide is never on the agenda. I don't know if you're asking for you or for somebody else. But it's never, ever okay. Only God determines when our days are over. Here is a question from Mike. I've had this question for a long time, Mike. Uh, he says, why did God let Samuel come from the dead when the witch at Endor summoned him? Uh, Mike, the story you're talking about is 1 Samuel chapter 28. It was the end of Saul's life. He could no longer hear from God. And... Um, against his own established law he sought out this witch because he wanted to know what the future held and when he said let Samuel come to me the witch of Endor was the most surprised person in the room when she saw Samuel witches and fortune tellers and people that do seances you know those are they're phonies it's fake so when when she really saw Samuel come up she knew that she'd been sent by Saul, and she was the most surprised person in the world. Now, here's why God allowed it. God simply allowed Samuel's presence, giving Saul what he asked for, but not giving him the message he hoped for. If you remember what Samuel said to him, is you're going to die, you and your son. You're going to die. You'll be with your fathers the next day. And that's what happened. So it was a pronunciation of judgment. And God permitted it. Um, God loves Saul. Uh, Saul will not be in heaven. Um, and this was simply a pronunciation of judgment on King Saul. So I hope that answers your question, Mike. It certainly isn't an endorsement of summoning the dead or talking to the dead. Here is a question from Monica, serious one. Um, I want to know when should I decide to leave a church and cut all ties? Monica, you give me no information, but the time to, to sever your relationship with the church 
is when the church ceases to teach the word faithfully. If you are in a church that is teaching false doctrine, you're long past the time to leave a church. It doesn't matter how long you've been there, how many friends you have. If a church is teaching false doctrine, it's time to go. If a church is abusive spiritually, if the church is trying to use guilt to make you give your money, it's time to leave. If you're not growing in that church, or if you don't have an opportunity to use the gifts that God has given you in that church, then it's time to prayerfully consider moving to another church. But don't stay. And Monica, this is the sense I'm getting from your question is that we, we stay at churches because we have friends, even family members. You know, I've been there so long. I've got people been in our church for the, almost the whole 23 and a half years that we've been here. And I've challenged them over and over and over, Monica, if I ever start teaching false doctrine, then you leave. Promise me you'll love me enough to leave. You'll try to correct me first, but if I'm not correctable, then you'll leave. But church isn't a place to develop friendships, at least not in terms of that being our motivation. Certainly you will develop deep friendships and wonderful lifelong relationships. But that's not why you go to church, nor is it why you stay at a church. We go to church to be equipped to do the work of ministry, to use the gifts that God has given us. We go to church to, to grow in the knowledge of who God is and in the knowledge of His will. We go to church to serve other like-minded brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if those things aren't happening, it's time to leave. Don't leave mad, just leave. But the most important consideration here is, is the church doctrinally pure? Monica, one other comment that I'll have on this question is we live in a time when churches are changing very quickly. A church that might have seemed pretty stable for a long time. Um, now a lot of churches are turning away from the Word of God and turning um, into accepting the things of this world. There are churches that affirm homosexual relationships. When that happens, they've ceased to declare the Word of God. That means it's time to go. And churches like that need a conscience. But when the church has made a decision, they're going in a different direction than you are, then it's time to go. Let me tell you when not to leave a church. Don't leave a church because somebody offended you. Don't leave a church angry. Don't leave a church talking badly about it. By all means, don't leave a church because you sinned and know you're ashamed. Hang in there with those people because they've invested in you. They love you. And part of genuine repentance is accepting the consequences of the bad decisions that we make. So if you want to give me more information, Monica, and a subsequent question, I'd be happy to take it. But um, if you're not getting fed, if you're not being able to use your gifts, then it's time to go. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is another serious question from Daryl. He says, what's the best way to draw someone I care about out of the prosperity gospel? Um, Daryl, I'm not sure that you can draw them out. You know, the, the prosperity gospel and the churches that, that, that claim it um, are full. They're crowded, typically. Um, because they tell people what they want to hear. And when people hear what they want to hear, when they don't have to deal with their own sin, when they don't have to deal with a holy, just God, but instead have turned God into sort of a Santa Claus of their own making, um, their ears are being tickled, and they go there because they want to. So the best way for you to 
influence someone. It's simply to tell them, let's sit down, let's open a Bible, and let me show you what these things you're believing, these things you're saying, just aren't true. I regularly am introduced to people who listen to the radio program, and in their conversation, and they're being very nice, but, but in their conversation, they'll say some name it and claim it things. Um, they're going through, I had a, a situation uh, just this weekend that was very painful. Um, a woman with a high-risk pregnancy. And rather than really learning about who Jesus is, She's been taught just to claim by faith that everything is going to be okay. Now, I'm praying that it is, but here's why it makes me angry. Because those are the people that aren't equipped, Daryl. They're not equipped when tragedy strikes. They're not equipped when things don't go well, when God doesn't perform as they've been taught that He should. I can tell you and you can tell your friend that the prosperity gospel is evil at its core. I want to make a distinction. There are real Christians there. They're just Christians who are being ripped off. Christians who know about Jesus, but they don't really know him. They don't know his character. They really don't dig into the Bible. They just listen to what some false teacher feeds them. But it's a really, really, really bad place to be. Pray for him. Tell him the truth. Tell me you love them and pray for them. That's typically the best that you can do. Let's go to Ray calling from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. How are you doing, Pastor Ron? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Pastor Ron, uh, I, got, I got a question about First uh, John 5, uh, verse 16. Uh, John talked about uh, uh, sin that leads to death and another sin that doesn't lead to death. And the other one is, uh, I can put a verse, I just like to know your announcer opinion. And uh, the other one is Luke 12, 37 and 48, that I uh, speak about the two servants when the master leaves, one of them is our making party all, all day, and the other one, uh, and that one will make party all day, I'm sorry, uh, it will be punished. But at the same time, if, uh, Jesus mentioned another servant that without knowing uh, she do wrong, is going to be punished lightly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, the, the two verses go together, because John is, is kind of um, explaining the same thing. There is a, a thing that, is, that leads to death, and another thing that doesn't. Yep. And, even, and even in the one who leads to death, he says that don't pray for it. Yeah, those those two verses are not connected, but they're 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 interesting verses. And um, Ray, thank you for calling. I will win the three minutes that we got left in this half. I'll give you an answer. Thank you very very much. First John five sixteen says, if anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. Uh, I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. Now that's a verse, Ray. That's caused people no end of difficulty. Uh, we don't know what a sin that leads to death is. We wouldn't know how to identify it. That's sort of the thing that's between the sinner and God. But here's what John is telling us. If you see a fellow brother or sister in the Lord and they are sinning, um, then, then we can pray. We need to keep that person held up in prayer. Uh, we can witness to them in terms of you know what you're doing is wrong. We can we can beg them from our from our broken heart that they would repent. Um, but um, God's hearing those prayers. That's the way God wants us to pray. A good example of this is found in First Corinthians chapter five, where there is a man who's sinning and really really 
wicked way, uh, and, and Paul puts him out of the church, but the truth is they're praying for him, and, and when he goes out of the church, he, he finally repents. In Second Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks about the reconciliation of that man to the church, which of course is, is the, the whole reason. Uh, for for um, uh, any type of discipline. So the sin that doesn't lead to death is easy. The problem is the sin that leads to death. Um, I, I, there's no identification, no definition. My personal opinion on that, Ray, is that um, uh, there are some things real Christians do that are so evil, they turn to um, a way of life that would end up destroying him. And I, I believe, and I actually believe I've known somebody who this has happened to, real believers, but they turn to such a darkness that they die. And in most cases, it's mysterious. It's not a um, something that was expected. But, but I just think that there are some people that God removes from this earth to prevent them from doing damage either to themselves or to others. And that's a sin that leads to death. So uh, that's a really tough one. I'll, I'll go to Luke passage on the other side of the break, Ray. Thank you for, for calling. Got 30 minutes left in the program. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. And Lord willing, I'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We are back. I'm going to finish Ray's question. Then, Brian, hang on the phone for just a couple of minutes, and I will get right to you. Uh, Ray, your question about Luke chapter 12. Uh, Jesus is, is telling a parable um, to indicate that uh, there are degrees of torment in hell. Um, the, the person, verse 47, who knows his master's will and doesn't do it. Um, well, he's accountable, and he's going to be beaten with many blows. But the one who doesn't know, the one who sins ignorantly, but those sins still deserve punishment, well, he's less accountable than the other person, and he will be beaten with few blows. This is one of the things that's hard for us to understand. You know, hell is going to be indescribably horrible for everybody. But it's going to be worse for some than for others. We know that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to be in the lake of fire for a thousand years before anybody gets in there. They're going to be tormented to the full extent. They are more accountable. We know Satan is going to be tormented. You know, we have a picture of Satan as sort of the king of hell. He's not. He is going to be the one who is the most tormented forever and ever and ever. But uh, it's like our justice system. Somebody who kills someone uh, with premeditation is, is going to go to jail or be executed because their sin uh, was willful, it was calculated, it was planned out. Um, somebody who kills somebody uh, another way and it wasn't what they intended to do, well, punishment still has to be there. And it's simply not going to be as bad as the one who intended to commit the sin. So what Jesus is saying is that intent matters when it comes to punishment eternally. Uh, I would add, Ray, that, that intent matters a great deal when it comes to rewards uh, in heaven as well. I, I think uh, our capacity to enjoy heaven is going to be increased um, based on our obedience here on earth. So, Ray, thank you for that. Let's go to Brian. Brian, thanks for holding you on the air. Uh, hello. Good afternoon, Pastor Rob. Uh, thank you. Program, uh, very educational thanks. and biblical. Thank you. Uh, my mother uh, has been seeking some guidance and prayer and also the family, but she uh, was recently looking at some literature, uh, the book that said prayers are answered. In the back was a prayer line, and she called, and it's, uh, I don't know much about it, but, uh, it's a it's a unity group. Uh, I don't know if that means a part of a Unitarian church, which I'm not familiar with. Their issues, they're a place in Missouri, they have a worldwide ministry. Are you familiar with the 
unity. Yeah, only, uh, yeah I, I am, Brian, vaguely familiar with with um, um, the, the, the unity group. Uh, it, it's a cultish. I, I don't know enough about it to say that it is a cult, but it's certainly cultish. And um, um, doctrinally, um, there wouldn't be somebody that we would want to be exposed to at all. So uh, if your mother has made any financial commitments uh, to them, um, then she would be in really, really good standing just to break those financial commitments and 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 not not fulfill those promises. This is a group that that does not teach true doctrine and is really, really harmful. A lot of people are getting taken by by the unity group, and they are not Unitarians by definition, but they're 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 very similar in terms of what they believe. Okay, well, uh, thank you for that input. Uh, I hadn't had a chance to share. I told her to, to hold on because I wasn't sure she would be flooded with information based on the call, name, address, that type of thing. Uh, so uh, thank you for that input. Always enjoy the show. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you very, very much. Be careful. You know, one of the things I've learned in this Internet world is um, I'm old, okay, so I don't want to sound like an old grouch. But when you used to go to the store, you'd, you'd buy something, you pick something out, take it to the counter, you give them money, and then they put it in a bag and you go home. Now it doesn't matter whether you're paying cash or not. When you go, the first thing they ask you is for your email address. And I have learned every time I buy something online or every time I give my email address out, I get overwhelmed with emails. I've got some people that send me five, six emails every single day. And not just because it's Christmas. And trying to get off of those lists is horrible. Well, unfortunately, Brian, there are some uh, quote-unquote religious groups that do the same thing. Uh, and it's sheer numbers. They want to prey on people. And the more people they can get emails to and send solicitation to, the more responses that they're going to get. Uh, unity teachings uh, are based on universal spiritual principles that run like a thread through the world's religions. Um, laws that seem to govern humankind no matter where we live or how we view the divine uh, or even whether we're aware of these principles exist. They've been expressed in many ways through thousands of years, but the essence of them uh, is, is what I just read. You want to stay away from them, avoid them at all costs. The Internet is wonderful for quick research. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Brandy. Pastor Ron, what should one do when feeling distant from God? Brandy, press in. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of time to answer this because this is such an important question. Let me say at the outset that there are times when that distance, that silence is orchestrated by God. I mean, if you look at the Apostle Paul's life, you know, we, we go through the book of Acts and we see miracle after miracle after miracle, but, but the book of Acts took... a more than 30 years. And there was a lot of downtime. There was times when Paul was discouraged, even depressed. There were times when he didn't hear any answers for, from, for his prayers. Um, God tests us in times like that to increase our faith. He wants us to grow up. We, we, we don't need to be goosebumpy Christians. We need to function based on what we know is true as opposed to how we feel. That's part of the process of growing up. So when you feel distant from the Lord, keep your faith in Him. Keep walking with Him. Keep talking to Him. Keep reading your Bible. Keep serving your church. All those things, because those are the things that you're being tested on. Those are the things that doing the will of God is going to result in the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Now, the other thing, and I don't know if this applies to you, Brandy, but this is really important. It always sends sort of a, a warning to me when I hear Christians, born-again believers, talking about God rather than Jesus. God lives in unapproachable light. No one can know God. We can't know Him. That's why Jesus made Him known. Jesus' purpose on earth was to reveal God the Father to us. 
And when we know who the Father is, we only know it because of how Jesus has made it clear to us. So instead of talking to God, talk to the one who reveals who the Father is. And his name is Jesus Christ. You hear me if you've listened to this program any length of time, Brandon, you hear me talking about just be with Jesus repeatedly. Uh, I talk to him all day. I'm aware of his presence all day. When you do that, uh, that distance will decrease because it gets very, very personal, the relationship. And it becomes more intense. There's um, uh, just an opportunity, Brandy, to, to know, uh, be known rather by the one who knows everything about you. And he'll reveal more and more of himself to you. So keep doing the things you know you're supposed to do. But at the same time, press in. Get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Hope that helps, Brandy. One other thing that I'll add to this, you know, I get emails and letters from people. And, uh, you know, Jewish tradition was that, that scribes would never write the whole name of God. They thought it was too holy to be uh, written down. Uh, and, and they would go through purification ceremonies after they had to even write the, the abbreviation for God. Uh, and I'll get letters from people that will say G-D over and over and over. And those are the people who are really, really getting ripped off. They, they've lost the personal nature of the relationship that Jesus paid everything for. So it's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's what we need to understand. He, he is God. He reveals the the person of the Father, not only that, but He sends the person of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. So that's the way to increase your intimacy with Jesus. 340-9585, let's go to Cibola, Texas, and talk with John. John, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. How are you this afternoon? I'm well, John. Thank you. Pastor, I just wanted to call in and let you know um, I, I try not to judge other people, but my brother's been a pastor of a Unity Church for over 30 years, and I can tell you they are definitely a cult. You are okay. correct. They're not, they're not a part of the Unitarian Church, but they believe there is no hell and that there are many, many paths to God. It's very sad. They try to be good people, but they definitely are not Christians. Thank you for the information, John. See, that's the great thing about having a big audience. There's always people who know more than you do. So, John, I think you and I together, we need to pray for your brother. So uh, keep him in your prayers, and I'll do likewise when I remember. Thanks for the call. Let's go to New Brumfels now and talk with Naomi online, too. Naomi, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, good afternoon, Pastor Ron. I Hi. have four questions related Ooh. to yesterday's sermon. Okay. Um, the first two are directly related to Legion himself, mm -hmm. um, the character called Legion, I guess I could say. How did the demons invade Legion's body? And mm -hmm. would, in today's terms, the different... Um, actions that Legion displayed be considered as uh, like like multiple personality disorders or demonic, uh, demonic behaviors or possessions. Okay. And then the other two questions would be related to, well, well, the other one is also about the demons. Are demons like slaves of, of the devil? And then the other question is, where did the demons go after the pigs died? after the peaks went over the cliff. <laughs> and I'll take your hand off the Thank you, Naomi. God bless you, and I appreciate you listening. I, uh, Thank you. God bless you, too. Uh -huh. I think we have more people listening online than I know about. Um, a couple of things. Let me add the, the last one first, because it's an easy one. Nobody knows where they went. Nobody knows where the demons went. When, when Jesus gave them permission to go into the herd of pigs, uh, we know there was at least 2,000 demons because there were 2,000 pigs, and they all committed pig suicide. Uh, but, but we don't know where they went after that because we're simply not given the information. Uh, uh, my guess would be that after the pigs died, 
um, they would would uh, at some point leave the, the the body of the pigs, and then they would be looking for a host. Um, I said in the message yesterday, Naomi, is if you heard it, you know this. Um, we don't know why evil spirits don't want to be disembodied. We don't know why there's they're more comfortable uh, in a, a host, whether it's human or in this case, uh, animal. Um, um, we're not given that information anywhere in Scripture. All we know is they do not like to be disembodied. Jesus said, if a, a spirit is cast out and 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 the, the, the spirit is not replaced by the spirit of God, then that spirit will go out and get seven other demons more powerful than it, and the and the, the case will be worse uh, at at the end than it was at the beginning when they come back and, and having found the house empty. That's why I said in the message yesterday, you don't ever cast a demon out of somebody unless they're willing to accept Jesus Christ because the relief will only be temporary. I mean, very temporary. Um, they need to know that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. That way their house will then be protected. So we don't know, Naomi, where they went. Um, um, we're just not given that information. Um, I think the most important question that you asked was, how did they invade Legion's body? I mean, this was such a, a horrible situation. Uh, 2,000 demons. We also know, and I said this in the message yesterday as well, that Matthew's gospel indicates it was two people, not just one. Uh, Mark and Luke's gospel both only focuses on Legion, the one whom Jesus had the conversation with. Um, but we don't know what kind of life they lived. We don't know uh, at all. Um, what led him to that terrible, terrible state. Uh, we can safely assume that he was involved in sin. Perhaps he was involved in witchcraft. Um, but demons have to sort of be given an opening. Um, they, they're just not permitted to come and attack everybody, even unbelievers. They have to be given an opening. And the import of your question is because we still give them those openings uh, some 2,000 years after Legion's story was complete. Um, uh, I mentioned yesterday when we we we're, we drink too much, um, we're, we're, our brains are being altered. Satan is looking for that opportunity. When we do drugs, especially mind-altering drugs, whether it's marijuana, as powerful as marijuana is these days, as chemically um, potent as, as it is, um, uh, or, or other kind of drugs that, that, that alter our minds, we're giving Satan an invitation to come and destroy us. We also know, uh, Naomi, that sexual immorality gives him an opening. Paul says that when, when we sin, all other sins except sexual sins, we're sinning uh, outside of our bodies. But when we sin sexually, we sin against our own bodies. And even as Christians, then, we're giving Satan a deeper inroad to be able to torment us, to cause us difficulties. So... Um, uh, we, we see fortune tellers or or uh, look for horoscopes, those kind of things, Ouija boards even. Whenever we dabble in supernatural things that God says it's better that we stay away from, we're inviting a spirit world in. And when we do that, then we're in a situation where we're going to be badly oppressed, and if you're not a believer, even possessed. So we have to be very careful. The choices we make every day, the, the man or the woman that drinks every night, um, the guy that can't relax or go to sleep without smoking a joint, um, we're inviting Satan in and giving him the opportunity to pound us. You know, the reason Jesus allowed them to go into the pigs was to give the crowd there a demonstration of what the devil's intent was. John 10.10 10 says that he came to kill, to steal, and destroy. And, and when those pigs ran off the cliff, everybody in that crowd should have said, Wow, I'm afraid of that. I don't want that. And they should have had Jesus. But because Jesus affected their economy, their money, when the pigs killed themselves, um, they begged Jesus to leave. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, the other question about multiple personality disorder. Um, uh, Naomi, I'm personally convinced. I'm not an expert, so this is just uh, me speaking um, from, from a relatively educated opinion. Um, I think, and I, I said this in at least one of the services yesterday, that if you go into uh, mental institutions, um, 
and you see people who are uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia, multiple personality, dis uh, multiple personality disorder, uh, or you see people who are hurting themselves, uh, and they diagnose them with some psychology term, uh, I think a lot of those people, and I mean a lot of those people, are misdiagnosed. I think and have seen with my own eyes demon possession over and over and over in those places. So we can't say everybody is demon possessed, uh, but uh, as a Christian, uh, walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit, uh, I think we could discern very easily in a very short conversation whether we're talking to a human or we're talking to the demons who are being hosted by that by that person, and uh, and and that of course would would give us the indication about how we're supposed to do it. So uh, I, I think that's a very very uh, astute observation. Um, I forgot the third question you asked. I'll think about it, Naomi, and get it to so please hang on the air. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from our mobile app. Regarding the call about where the demons went after they left the pigs, could they have gone into killer whales, stingrays, or sharks? No, I don't think so. Um, not without Jesus' permission. I think that's kind of a stretch. And of course, um, the Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake, and, and so there wouldn't be killer whales or stingrays or sharks there either. So uh, I hope that answers your question. Thank you for listening to the program. Here is a question we got from John. Pastor Ron, I heard that Christians once in heaven will have some sort of authority over angels. If so, would this model also apply in hell? Could people rule over the demons in hell? I assume this based on the understanding that there could be degrees of punishment in hell, just as there are degrees of rewards in heaven. John, it makes sense, but, but I think most of us misunderstand what the authority that we will have over angels are going to be. When Paul says that we will judge angels, do you not know that you will judge angels? He's talking about judging fallen angels. In our obedience, uh, our response by faith to Jesus Christ will be uh, a statement of judgment about those angels who saw God. I mean, um, they, they're far more powerful than we are. They were closer to God. They could, they could see the throne of God. And when they fell... Um, um, we're going to judge them. Now, are we going to wear a robe and have a gavel? I don't think that's the kind of judgment. But I think when um, they have their moment before they're thrown into the lake of fire after the, the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, uh, I think as believers, we're going to be sort of a statement that we believed and we didn't see, and that's the judgment we're going to have. So that's the only authority that we're going to have over angels. The other thing that I want to share, really important, this is something that we need to remember, is that nobody is in charge in hell. When the great white throne is done and, and, and the lake of fire is populated by all who rejected Jesus Christ, um, both human and angelic, um, nobody is going to be in charge. It's not the devil or the angels that rule in hell. They are all individually going to be tormented forever and ever and ever. And the angels will be more accountable than the humans that are there and will be tormented, tormented to a greater degree. Uh, and of course, Satan is the one who will be tormented the most of all. So there will be degrees of punishment in hell. Uh, why? Because God is just and not all punishment is the same. Not all sin is the same. And there will be de different degrees of reward in heaven, though heaven will be great for everybody. Uh, I believe our capacity to enjoy heaven to a greater degree is going to be based on our obedience here. We know this for sure, John. We know that as humans, what we do here, the choices we make here on earth, matter for time and eternity. And that's why we have to be diligent in our obedience. Very, very, very important. Um, someone got that one. Thank you, John. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. I can't, I can't read it. Okay. 
I, I just my, my producer just reminded me of of uh, Naomi's third question: Are the demons slaves? Um, to Satan? Not to Satan, no. Uh, on earth, uh, before they're judged, um, there are different levels of demons. And those demons, um, you know, Satan's kingdom is not an organized one. I mean, sin is insane. Um, but um, Satan certainly here gives orders. But uh, a slave would imply that they're acting against their will. Um, but, but their rebellion against God um, sometime in eternity past, that rebellion against God indicates what their character really is. So they are complicit in and partners with Satan in the destruction of mankind. So it is not that they are slaves, uh, except they want to be slaves. We're only two minutes. I didn't know we had that little time left. Let me see if I have a two-minute question. Um, Raymond, here's what I can do in two minutes. Raymond says, what do you think is a biblical model for church today? It's Acts chapter 2, Raymond. Uh, just this past Friday night, we finished our, our about 14 or 15 month study through the book of Acts. Uh, and I closed it by going back to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, uh, because that's the model that we have been given for church. It's a model where the apostles or where the, the, the Christians were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. The word, the word, the word. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place of prayer. It's a place where people care for one another and watch out for one another. Uh, it's, it's a place where they couldn't stand not to be together. And that's a biblical model. What we do today with church marketing techniques and trying to figure out ways to please people is exactly the opposite of the model Jesus gave us. So that's the biblical model for church today. Raymond, I'll come back to this question a little bit more tomorrow. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. Don't forget our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll see you there. God bless you. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.